Hey listeners, Lex on the Decks here. Before you get stuck into this episode of Hot Girls, I wanted to let you know about something else you may be interested in. Though Hot Girls in its podcast format isn't releasing new episodes any longer, if you head over to my Substack, which is lexonthedecks.substack.com, you'll find more interviews and insight on gender minority artists and how to overcome any barriers to entry. You'll also get the opportunity to sign up to my weekly newsletter, Five Good Things. This is an email letter which will land in your inbox on Fridays, sharing five of my favourite cultural or creative discoveries of the week. You'll find all that on lexonthedex.substack.com. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Hot Girls. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. She's played in the blues all the time. But, um, you put a like her. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my bad, guy. Just crumpled my hands. I know. Um, it's doing a good thing. <laughs> it sounds quite um, soundtracky as well, a lot of the stuff. It's like primed for the trajectory that they've given her with like the Bond film and. Yeah. Even Bad Guy sounds like, it doesn't sound like a kind of pop song or that kind of, yeah, traditional. Mm. I think that's what they're trying to bank in on. She's really young. Apparently she does all her productions in her bedroom and like her brother was a really famous YouTuber. Okay. So they obviously had the resources of like creating this um, music at home. But I don't know, I think she's kind of got the two sides of the people that are too alternative and don't like listening to pop, so they'll, they'll listen to Billie Eilish. Mm. And then kids that actually grew up listening to um, Justin Bieber and High School Musical listen to Billie Eilish as well. Yeah. But it's that cusp of uh, adolescence that you're trying to like break free. She's there as a stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah. I did hear Annie Mack be like, oh, she's she's special. I think she's remarkable. And I was like, oh, if Annie Mack said that. <laughs> I know. Probably pay attention. I think coming round to the fact that she's important is um, interesting because it's like with us, what did, what impact do we see of Billie Eilish apart from everyone talking about her? Yeah, she hasn't proved that point to us, and she's not. You know, we see loads of alternative acts. We probably saw Rosalia, Arca, and like all these amazing alternative acts that do the same kind of visuals as her, but mm. don't get the accolades. So. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> one. Um, hello and welcome to Hot Girls. I'm very excited this week because I think I'm going to learn a lot. No pressure. I am joined by Shireen Ramazani. Hello. Shireen started her music career as a producer and host on London's Radar Radio. Uh, Radar was one of the fastest growing pirate stations in London before it shut down a couple of years ago. Since then, Shireen has worked at Universal Music... Whilst there, she worked for the urban playlisting arm of all UMG labels. These playlists totaled over 2 million followers. She also worked on talent coordination for brand work with Lynx. And critically, she worked on Spin Up, which was Universal's distribution platform for up-and-coming artists. So we're going to talk about Shireen's personal music library and influences, but we're also going to talk about the process for breaking artists from radio to streaming platforms to where the labels start to come in. Next up for Shireen, she's off to join the editorial team at Resident Advisor, where she'll be continuing her work in the music industry. Ladies, gentlemen, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex on the deck. We in the mix. It's fire. Keep it going. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's 
welcome. Hello. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for the illustrious bio. (laughs) It was long and deep. (laughs) (laughs) I know, my imposter syndrome is kicking in right now. (laughs) Well, I wanted to start by talking to you about your musical influences, your journey to music, who Mm. excited you first off. I think they're um, all over the place and definitely characterised by the different steps that I've taken in my career. I started out as a jazz as a jazz singer. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a new fact. Yeah. Um, How old were you when you started? So I think everyone asks singers when they start singing, but I, I, just, I don't remember when I started actually singing. I used to do performances when I was growing up. Yeah. And then as a teen, um, I had a friend that now has plays at Ronnie Scott's every weekend. Okay. Um, and we just used to do jams for hours. Um, I soon realised, uh, getting up to, into radar, um, and when I started working whilst I was at uni, that I wanted to be a bit more behind the scenes and understand mm. what it took to kind of get there um, and understand both sides of the dial. So I took a bit of a step back with singing, always saw it as a resource, yeah. but also picked up production on the side and do kind of my own productions on logic and software. Um, as in actual creation of music? Yeah, so uh, creating music, I was quite uh, stubborn when I started and didn't want to take up any tutorials or anything, but... Um, <laughs> like, I will work out <laughs> these very complicated <laughs> interfaces. I think about three years in, I understood what a drum machine was on there. Um, no. Very arrogant. I think I heard a few years ago, um, I don't even like Lord, but I remember Lord, uh, they the whole story, the whole PR story around Lord was that um she sang out her melodies and like made the harmony and sang on top of it. Uh-huh. And that I was like, if Lord can do that and it sounds like that, well, then I can do that. Then better. watch me. <laughs> uh yeah. She was still very pending. young actually, wasn't she? when she started that's the yeah it's the same Billie Eilish kind of trend yeah that's that's the fear around uh, young female musicians as well I had that fear as well of like having to be that new young you know have, knowing to do everything polymath. yeah the music industry does love to be like oh this person who's so young let's get them in now let's <laughs> yeah. make them really that famous produces yeah. their own stuff makes their own clothes sings their own songs yeah. like you know you they want a child stuff. prodigy or a child genius yeah they them. love creating that image um, but yeah, well, where my influences come from, uh, you'd have to partition, I guess, the singing, songwriting, producing, and then my career and how that's influenced me. Mm-hmm. So going into Radar, I was naturally gravitating towards uh, labels like Night Slugs. And um, I used to work for, um, or the shows that I produced were with Scratcher, DVA mm-hmm. and Iconica. Um, and both really have such a good link to soulful melodies, UK funky, Mm -hmm. um, understanding infectious like drum patterns and rhythms. They do it so well and it's an accessible music. It's not something that's like industrial techno. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though they probably throw it into their sets, um, you never really know what to expect. Mm But you can always expect a bit of Mariah Carey, and that's what I like out of a DJ or a producer, where they yeah. can throw in a good like Mariah Capella on top of whatever some gom. Yeah, and, I think uh, that's a real talent to be able to bring that in because if you try and do it and you don't really know what you're doing and you yeah. get it slightly wrong, it just sounds random. Yeah, and when it doesn't sound random, but it kind of is unexpected, that's a like a real 100%. talent. I think. And not to throw shade at anyone, um, but there are a lot of people trying to mimic that kind of fluid style. Mm. And I think being genreless is such a big thing in the environment today. But uh, not everyone can do it well. I think you need to be able to figure out the basics first before and the formula and I think you know DJs like Minara, Iconica, Scratcher, KG, uh, Bok Bok all of them really set me on my way understanding that no this music can be fun people can dance to it and go out and actually have a good time and I think growing up I used to listen to a lot of garage and it's the same kind of nature where uh, people are just there to have fun and I wanted to you know growing up I wanted those nights out where they talk about champagne and machino Mm. and I never saw it um (laughs) it's come close to a few kind of like cousins nights monara's nights um and uh night slugs nights they come close yeah um but then i think working 
quite closely uh, with the Grime sets as well. Uh-huh. So uh, I used to look after the I Am Grime show with Jack Dat and uh, Jams and Spooky show as well. And then a few others All as well. All on radar. All on radar. Oh, yeah. You were so busy on radar. <laughs> it was, um, they used you. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, I used to pick up as many shifts as I kind of yeah. wanted to. So I had a few different shows picked around um, around the schedule. Um, and then I had one set day. So mm-hmm. I used to do the Mondays as well. Um, and Mondays, I think, changed during uh, during the year. But um, the scheduling at that time was great. Mondays so um that you know bag of 20 MCs and trying to like control the levels yeah it's a lot oh my um, yeah but I and how how far in advance did you know like how many MCs you were gonna have that come down did you was it always like the depended. same people came down or they just it like, be like I brought some yeah, friends. Like, to be fair, yeah. I mean, Radar did really act like that like a kind of youth club in a way yeah where um which actually gives such a great ground for building a community. And yeah. I think I've like found found a lot of com- my community there as well. So yeah, every MC brings down his mate, a videographer, <laughs> or someone yeah. that, you know, anyone that's creative in their team to kind of um, maximize on it. And I'd always uh, tell people to go for it, but I think, you know, um, we had our own content as well to push out. So it was a bit of uh, both. It did feel like that though from, from observing and I think the London stations are generally really good at this so they'll have a really big artist and then the next show they'll have a load of people who no one necessarily will have heard of but they're equal, they're also talented and they're also interesting and just create a group of people and it's n- it's nice to be able to have that space yeah and I think um in our programming we were quite special in that we had quite a range of like you know big pioneers in the scene we had great kind of label shows we had label takeovers but on the other end of it you know you could easily access if you're an MC if you're a DJ you could easily access um, someone's show um, send them a guest mix and even then the ecosystem was there you know Mm. you could look on our schedule see who's playing click on um, their Instagram and get in touch with them really easily I think now with other stations not that it's particularly different um, there is a range of programming say on Rep or NTS or Balami but it stagnates and once these people are there for quite a while like you know having that new environment to make your step on and make your mark on it was an exciting time yeah because everyone was new yeah what was your journey then from going from radar and radio into label and did you think about going into radio um so I kind of naturally fell off radio for a bit I always felt very connected to it but I think half of it was trying to understand the different aspects that I needed to know um to build artists to be able to work in the music industry Mm. um to propel myself because you know I was young I was trying to I'm definitely someone that likes building up as many skills as I can so it was part of that, it was partly that um, I didn't, I'm, I'm a bit of commitment vibe, so I didn't really want to commit to just straight up radio. <laughs> don't try and pin it down. <laughs> exactly, don't pin me down. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, I fell into um, a few odd jobs. So I worked freelance at the BBC for a bit doing some radio and then uh, worked at Rough Trade as well. Just trying to understand, you know, the physical environments, uh, live environments. Mm. I put on a few nights as well at the Is Alibi. That super stressful. <sighs> it was my birthday as well, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this one. I'm already feeling pressure. <laughs> um, it was at Alibi, so rest in peace. Honestly, like <laughs> they were such a good venue because, um, again, venues like that just support grassroots artists mm. and. You know, the amount of times that me or any of my friends would be able to go up to the decks and just play, it's uh, unrivaled. Like, you can't find that in any other venue. But, yeah, I just tried to figure it out. I worked in an agency for a bit where I looked after links and understood that my specialist perspective uh, was needed either Mm. in branding or in label setting or somewhere. Yeah. So um, set out to kind of see how it would be in a major and UMOD accepted me, they were there, <laughs> <laughs> with open arms. UMOD uh, gave me the ground to kind of understand how a label works from the ground up. Someone like me, you know, I haven't necessarily had that. Um, at that point, I hadn't had the exposure to how 
such a big corporate music industry setting uh, works yeah. in comparison to all of the kind of grassroots studios that I'd been in. Yeah. Um, even and I though, imagine like it would take years to even get some kind of a sense of... That's the thing. I think... Um, in any kind of music industry setting, it takes years to even build yourself to a level of recognition where I felt that I was before I even got to the yeah. industry. But I guess, you know, this music industry, as as much as there is, um, there are things to learn, there, there's always going to be space to progress and, yeah. you know, one-up yourself. But yeah, I think uh, UMOD gave me a really good uh, balance of the two. So um, I looked after the commercial, but also uh, looking after spin-up meant that I'd have oversight over data, A&R uh, and their software. I had a look at how... So, and just for anyone who's uh, listening who doesn't know anything about it, what is A&R? Sure, yeah. And how would you use data? It's just a little... Of course. Break yes, it down. Yes, yes. Um, So A&R um, are basically scouts. They're people that build a long list about every day. The whole job is to build lists and lists of artists that um, would work with publishing and people that the label that they'd like to approach with the label and how our A&R works with, with data was that we had a back end that looked at how artists were being streamed and then we'd have things like lean forward listens so that's how many people actually are listening passively or actively collections to their pa- playlists passive or active like what <laughs> listen I'm not going to give away all the secrets no but <laughs> do you know what someone told me that this is I'm going to digress quickly someone told me the other day just a warning to everyone that Facebook are ch- looking through your camera to see how you're reacting to ads no okay so my front camera stopped working yesterday so Ooh, that's great I'm quite happy yeah. with that so stop taking selfies everyone <laughs> Facebook are using it. I feel like that's quite a personal attack on me. <laughs> it's intimidating. It? <laughs> um, also, I would not get the iPhone 10 because, you know, I, I'm just scared of looking at a phone and it, knowing that you're looking at it. Like, yeah. it's that's just unsafe. It's I'd, too much. Public safety, security. <laughs> um, sorry, yeah, so active-passive, got it. Active-passive, um, collections, it looks at kind of skip rates. Basically, the consumption of how sure. these tracks are doing on streaming. Yeah. Um, and through that UMOD which was the label that I worked for and looked after spin-up marketing would sign artists so last year they signed about three artists four Um, wow based on how well people are engaging with them on streaming platforms yeah Okay, yeah. I quite like that because it's like people are engaging with their music first. It's not about, oh, this person has a good brand on Instagram. Exactly, it yeah. It was completely distinct of that. Um, obviously, we'd look at that, that that was still a step in the Part, procedure of yeah. signing them. But it also, on the other side of things, not to scrutinise it, mm. um, it, where Data A&R look at people that have a buzz, that have kind of, you know, have been in publications and stuff, Um Data A&R kind of overlooks that where, you know, you're faceless Mm. and it's just based on numbers. So that whole kind of corporate music industry strategy really comes into play Mm. where, you know, artists at majors get about less than 20% of the deal. Um, Whereas, you know, independents, you have 50%. Yeah. That's also something to consider. I think the impacts of, yeah, of data A&R and how artists are perceived. Because, I mean, I brought on a few great artists onto Spin Up, which I thought had amazing buzz. They were in publications like Days and Confused. Mm-hmm. Wow, Dazed. <laughs> Days and Confused. Um, I did, you know, all of the big publications yeah. and um, they just didn't, weren't hitting the numbers. It, from the outside, looked like they were nailing it and very successful exactly. and had a hype. Okay, yeah. It's really interesting because yeah. um, I think there are a lot of artists out there that probably are you know, in our ecosystems and that we're shouting about that maybe aren't hitting those numbers. And Mm. um, I think strategy comes a lot into, you know, into that as well. A lot of um, the artists that have big numbers understand the power of uh, utilising their community, utilising features, Mm. utilising playlist placements. Yeah. Yeah. Would you look at things like, and I suppose I'm thinking about this from a listener point of view, would you look at things like, 
how many songs of a particular artist someone listened to. Like, presumably, if there was one or two songs that were getting a lot of listens but their broader catalogue wasn't getting a lot, then people are engaging more with them on playlists and things rather than actually engaging with them specifically as an mm -hmm. artist. Yeah, so actually the way that um, Spin Up worked or the signings worked for us was that we'd do signing, uh, single signings mm -hmm. instead of album signings or artist deals. So with that, yeah, we'd look at um, specific singles and track data. We wouldn't sign them on their overall discography. Yeah. Were there any artists that you saw from your time at Radar that you've seen break that you've kind of been quite close to or seen their journey closely? Pretty nuts, yeah. Uh, there are a few, I think, presenters and artists. Yeah. Um, so AJ Tracy is like the biggest one. That's a pretty big one. <laughs> yeah. He's um, pretty big now. <laughs> if you guys don't know AJ Tracy, I don't know why you're listening. That's bad. No music exactly. snobbery. It's <laughs> so like AJ Tracy, just like, no. Yeah, just named Live and direct. Him, obviously. <laughs> do yeah. you guys know? <laughs> I do. Which is just really, you know, crazy because um, I'd be at work last year at UMAD at Glastow. All of, you know, my colleagues being like, oh my God, did you see Alex from Glastow at AJ Tracy? And I think by then I'd probably name dropped AJ Tracy quite a bit. I'd be mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, AJ Tracy used to come into Radar all the time. He'd just be there. And now, you know... It, it's so weird for me to grasp that he's doing these big yeah. stages with Georgia Smith. and I even saw him like at a Nando's event like two years ago, just speaking. Yeah. And it was just before Butterflies had come out. Yeah, yeah. He was talking about Butterflies. And like that was just a small event and he probably wasn't paid very much. It was like the other influencers there were like... Well, I think... Um, I think Example was there, but he was like the biggest name at that point. <laughs> and now it's probably fair to say that AJ Tracy's <laughs> taken over. Oh, what happened um, to Example? And that was really quick. He's still making music. Yeah. He made a song called All Night recently. Oh, um, I love that. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I like his music, actually. Okay. Check, check it out. <laughs> um, not the recommends. Oh, no. really good game, but there we go. Um, um, but aside from AJ Tracy, I guess like Big Zoo. Yeah. Um, he's huge. He's got a show on Dave now. Um, which is, he's just the loveliest guy ever. Um, who else? I think... We've had a lot of uh, DJ duos, so actually Sicaria Sound, I have to give a notable mm -hmm. mention to them. Um, they started working at the Radar, um, you know, work alongside me. Did they come, when they came to Radar, did they come as a pair? Oh, yeah, or did they, they did. find each other at Radar? <laughs> <laughs> they did come as a pair. I think they studied together, so uh, um. they were inseparable. Um, and then kind of Snoochie Shy, obviously, Masterpiece, mm. um, Mike Hansford. He's just sold out. Yeah, last night yeah. he played with uh, JME. Um, and actually, <laughs> I remember him coming up to me my first event that I ever threw at uh, Alibi. I walked into Radar about like, hadn't been there for a few months. And he came up to me, he was like, are you doing this, sh are you doing this show? Um, holding up my flyer. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> that was a week to go. He's like, I was like, yeah, why? Um, he's like, can I play? Can I play? And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. You can play like a starting set. <laughs> um, in a small bar. Um, and actually, as soon as he jumped on, he was, it was just literally, he was like a meter away, less than a meter away from um, the audience and just like mosh pitting in this bar. And he honestly just shut it down he's amazing um that so confidence much is why i could never have been an artist <laughs> <laughs> i'd be like hello it's my new single <laughs> like, hello hello attention hello, guys oh just carry on <laughs> i don't know, just like spoon to the, spoon to the glass. <laughs> whenever you're ready they don't want to hear me they hate me i'm just gonna go yeah he demands your attention he's definitely someone that demands your attention yeah. but honestly yeah Radar uh, broke a lot of artists, still a few on the trajectory, I think. And especially because it was a good mix of MCs and producers mm -hmm. that um, what I was going to start talking about yeah. is how important that is to have an environment that you can meet both kind of artists. Yeah, yeah let's talk about that, um, your experience of it and also... I guess as someone who did production and creation yourself and was an artist in at times, how different bits draw you at certain periods of time, how you found working with different artists and how they like to structure that process. Yeah. Um, well, I think the natural um, environment of having people that are creating, like Radar, I'm not going to censor this around, like <laughs> it's just the Radar chat. Um, but Yeah, Radar's coming back. And, 
<laughs> Surprise. And this is the first show. We're hoping. Yeah. <laughs> um, but kind of, I think it's really important. Um, MCs that are starting out don't really know how to navigate spitting bars on so-and-so's, mm. you know, uh, track or whatever. But I definitely think it's an imperative. It's so important for artists to understand which producers are you know, making movements and then placing themselves and asking to work with them. Um, we've got such a kind of open platform that you can jump in anyone's DM these days yeah. and um, get in contact with your favourite producers like that. And as long as you've got kind of, I was going to say portfolio, but it's not a portfolio, it's mm. just kind of like, you know, a track or two on SoundCloud to show, then, you know, you, you can definitely kind of, there's no there's no harm in trying basically yeah. yeah yeah you're so right because a producer what separates an artist like the biggest thing is your songs and i don't know define like split it how you want but at least 50 percent of that is the producer yeah um so finding the right one and i think artists who seem to do really well and break and kind of continually break are ones who are very deliberate with exactly where they want to take their sound it's not kind of just like oh it just I mean some people are like oh we just made a few things and this came out but I'm always skeptical yeah whereas like I mean for example like J-Hus just seems to only work or predominantly work with J5 J5 yeah. J5 J5 anyone who works at London on the track seems to be able to make a hit and there are just certain and AJ Tracy actually is a really good example I think of someone who's like now I'm doing a dancehall track so I'm going to find someone who knows that genre now I want to do a garage track. Now I've done a good garage track in a while. I'm going to do one. Georgia Smith as well, actually, works with a really interesting range of producers, I think, and therefore comes out with, like, her songs are hits and they sound like hits quite quickly. Whereas as other artists, and you listen to their music, and they might have a special voice that makes them interesting, but they just don't have that song or those few songs. I think you can really get lost in trying to be genre and picking up a bit of everything. And where, like, those artists um that you've mentioned what they do well is that you know each track is characterized by a different um mood and that way they can build a whole story and it doesn't just get muddled or mixed Mm. up so i think even masterpiece he's a good example even um mic he's a good example of artists uh mcs um shall i say that uh use their character in the best possible way and just kind of just basically squeeze out all of their all the aspects of their personality mm. into different tracks whilst being centric to their own like, yeah. mainline, not losing themselves basically can I ask a random question that you might know the answer to of course you know an artist's freestyle or they'll do like fire in the booth or whatever mm-hmm. um did she like the subtle <laughs> like i wouldn't fully commit a quick 16 okay okay yeah how prepared is that generally i'm always wondering this i'm like did they know what beat they were gonna get no so okay we like, they definitely wrote some of their lyrics because <laughs> okay 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 so not to uh, tell you that Christmas isn't real and Santa isn't real. But um, so all MCs are spit on 140 BPM. It could be a bit higher, it could be a bit lower, uh-huh. but grime is usually 140. Um, and once you've kind of got your 16 bars, I think a lot of MCs like to um, have kind of their bars to go. So they've got a good set of bars that they always come back to. Mm-hmm. Some of it's improv, depending on, like, the time and setting. But I definitely remember, like, AJ Tracy coming in, uh, doing the Hyperman set, mm-hmm. doing those same bars that he's got a number one hit with yeah. in the Radar Studios. So um, I think it's definitely... It's something that creates a brand as well. Yeah. Not to even be, like, you know... Uh, talking about that side of things in crime but um it definitely uh makes a hook it's a hook basically yeah. so you get all of the mcs in the room spitting the same bars that aj tracy is spitting because he did it the week before or whenever yeah. and that's what's catchy yeah so it's quite formulaic it is yeah um but even within that like you can you know cut and paste like different yeah you know improv here and have like your own bars there yeah what sets people apart is still their creativity within that but yeah, it is, yeah. it's like a framework 
I saw Shebu, Shebo do a really good oh, one recently. Have you seen it? Shebo is like one of my favourite new yeah? artists. I Me too. She is, she is going to do amazing things. Um, let's talk about her. I was stalking her because like when I see someone good I like to know where they've come from she's been emceeing for 10 years yeah she came about with a, a viral uh video not not viral but it's like channel channel U, channel aka times and she had she was a school girl she was just a little young mm. girl in the video and she's spitting the same bars that um she's got in her song I forgot what song it is um but yeah, she's got. <laughs> there we go. You're done, though. That's I'm gonna the check. Song. Yeah, yeah, you done, know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's got uh, one of her bars on there, so. Yeah, I, but I like her hardest bars freestyle. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that yesterday. She is. Yeah. So hard. Like, it's just yeah. so slick. And it, you know, when you watch something, you're like, yeah, you're ready. It's, it's like, she, I love how um, she she switches it up. I don't know. She goes, oh, I can't reference it off the top of my head. But. She's just so, like, she's got her own swag with it and, like, definitely telling the story. She's like a little... Yeah. She's like an actress. Like, she puts she on this She is. She does, like, thing. the faces and... Honest, yeah. Yeah. And, um, oh, and, like, switching up the languages as well. She's just so good. I yeah. love her. I think she's amazing. Um, who else are you enjoying right now, artist-wise? Mm. I also feel like you probably have a very broad... Catalog all over the place. <laughs> That's why, as soon as you ask me, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that makes it interesting, though. My close kind of community, I've definitely I, I listen to their releases, obviously, and I'm a big fan of like I'm a fan girl of all my friends. Mm. Um, so where I have to start is like Ghost Notes. So MP, he's a Red Bull Music graduate mm-hmm. um, from last year. Um, and he has a Ghost label. Notes. Yeah, so he has a label called Ghost Notes, um, okay. and they've just come out with a release with Iman, which is on Future Bubblers, which was the scheme that Giles Peterson ran mm-hmm. a few years ago, uh, or each year. Um, Iman is an Iranian producer, mm-hmm. and they've just released a kind of poem, um, which is spoken uh, by an Iranian woman and obviously I'm Iranian so you know I heard it and he obviously but me. no one can see you right now so <laughs> it's actually going. exactly by the way I'm Iranian can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> um, I might just start speaking to Farsi but yeah basically that <laughs> just be like mm. <laughs> Yes. Just do half the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, um, Iman is doing really amazing stuff. He's um, that kind of Sufism, uh, mysticism of like Iranian culture I've always kind of wanted to see in music. Mm. I think with with electronic, definitely, where Rosalia and like Arca are doing that with flamenco. I've always wanted to see mysticism translate into um, electronic music. Mm. So big up Ghost Notes for that. Um, and also really want to big up... Um, Yazus. So mm-hmm. Yazus has got a few amazing releases out this year. Um, she's got... So she producer as well as a DJ? She's, she's a DJ, pro- right? Yeah, so she's part of Six Figure Gang mm-hmm. and she's a producer, a DJ and a visual artist. No one really knows the visual artist stuff, but <laughs> yeah. I'm always... You're, telling, to- you're calling her out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm calling her out and also You can't to- keep it, like, do anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, get your bags, sis, get your bags. <laughs> but she does, like, um, obviously Amazing 160. I think she's definitely found her genre and... She's out on Mad Decent, which mm-hmm. is Diplo's label, which is crazy is for she? us. Yeah, oh, I know. That's so exciting. We're like screaming down the phone to each other. Oh my it's God, not, that's I massive. I know, it's huge. It's huge. So this year, You'd I'm not like, going to be yeah, able to see yeah, her. Okay. That's it. That's it. I'm not past like summer. That's it. She's not going to remember me. She's yeah. going to be too famous for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, bye. Um, Do you ever need a plus one to a Burberry party? <laughs> Next year you're doing the Burberry party. (laughs) Got the jewellery ready already. Um, When this year people love me. (laughs) I'll just DJ for the Burberry party next year. Whoever's listening. I do. So I made quite a conscious, deliberate effort not to be a DJ, not to Mm -hmm. call myself a DJ. I think there are too many of us. Oh God, I just said us. So I guess that means I I think (laughs) I'm a DJ. I don't know. I'm also quite a purist when it comes down to any kind of art form. So I 
I'm very skeptical to picking something up and calling myself a DJ. You would want to half do it if you're doing it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, well, I guess now I've been doing it for five years, Mm -hmm. four years. Um, Even though I don't practice that much, Mm -hmm. um, I guess I can call myself a DJ. I've been booked here and there. Yeah. But it's not my main, uh, you know... Yeah, it's not your focus. Yeah, it's not my focus. Yeah, I like creating, so in any kind of platform. Mm. Although I suppose, like working for resident advisor, if you were also trying to really push yourself as a DJ, it might be a bit like almost contradictory. Not contradictory, but you'd be a bit like, well, I can play. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. Just watch me. Honestly, (laughs) I joke, and then in a couple of months, when I look at the line listings, just me. Okay. I'm going to get my bag as well. Yeah. Um, Hustle. You know what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've got to get my back. <laughs> but like, I'm sure that there are loads of people at RA um, that do DJ. Yeah. Um, and that helps the job. Yeah. Um, as you said, you know, having loads of side hustles and stuff helps your position yeah. and understanding about the job. So I know a few people, I think at RA, um, where they had the RA all nighter, they had a room uh, where one of my friends. Was um, that one? Was that? Ooh, I don't remember. It was last year's summer, I think. All um, night. You could have booked examples. <laughs> <laughs> he could have played all night. Are you sure you're not representing him or something? <laughs> no, I'm working for him and Radar. <laughs> what a weird PR. company I have. <laughs> this is great PR yeah. for example. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically... It's a podcast called Hot Girls and all I've spoken about is AJ Tracy and <laughs> example. Let's talk about Megan Thee Stallion then. Let's spoken about Shabo. Let's talk about Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> yeah. It's about time. <laughs> One of my favourite Aquarians... Um, Megan Salian. I am also an She is amazing, isn't she? She is so young off the bat and I think someone that has worked so hard on getting her lyricism down, getting what she wants down, that I've seen videos of her in the studio and she's just like spitting mm. freestyles back to back to back. Um, she definitely knows what she's doing. I thought she was a lot older, but I think she just has that presence because she's just so mature. She's, like she's so focused. Yeah. She lost her mum last year. Uh, she's gone through quite a bit like on the rise to fame. And you can't even tell. Yeah, someone told me that her mum was a rapper or her mum worked in the music industry. Yeah, her mum was a rapper, um, Houston. And Houston's quite an interesting place for rap as well. It's like slow, scissor, (laughs) rap. (laughs) That's like where they're all on lean. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Lean, for anyone who doesn't know. (laughs) It's just not not a place you want to (laughs) go. Have you seen the before after pictures of Gucci Man? (laughs) No. They're so good. <laughs> I need to see it. They're just like, he went from, he's like, this is me before, because I read it. I've read his biography. I do oh autobiography. My God. It's not a great read, <laughs> I'm to be honest. <laughs> when did he write it? Like, it's after kind he came of interesting, out? but you can kind of tell that he's like had an editor, but some bits, so some bits are done like in his voice, and some bits have kind of got sort of editor tone. So sometimes Wikipedia it's a bit, page. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit. Some of it's like just very. Um, like colloquial okay uh, but like Gucci man colloquial yeah, yeah yeah and some of it's like very formal all of a sudden it's a bit jarring but yeah the, when he was on lean he was kind of like really puffy and yeah, just yeah. doesn't look good and now and then he went to prison and got really fit and yeah. got these new teeth which are like bright white <laughs> so <he> just <laughs> his glow up was like nothing I've, I've ever seen I remember him coming out actually yeah and his wife just well know. his wife is fine I feel like yeah. she deserved him to get a little cleaner <laughs> yeah, yeah 100% 100% I think I've got a uh, had a collage of um, Gucci Mane just like with cups of lean behind him. Ah, <laughs> oh, 2013, Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> but Meg the Stallion is not fucking with that. Mm-mm. No, she's, yeah, apart from her being like lipsed up by G-Eazy, which I am, um, have you seen that by no, the way? No, I haven't seen that. Hmm. There's a video of um, her just uh, being snogged by G-Eazy, but it's not like, it's, it's just a very weird dynamic. Are like, they out? Are they like... No, a- they're like lying down on a sofa. She She's just like, I think, holding the camera and he's just going in on her cheek, just like snogging her cheek. So much so that I felt it. You know, you feel a bit, look, yeah. you know, what? Yeah, so she denied she denied the claims, but I don't know why anyone would want to upload that. She denied the claims of what? It it wasn't her. Yeah, she's like, oh, maybe Mm. I'll just say this. Yeah, 
I don't know. Don't trust it. Bit weird. But yeah, musically and artistry and I think what she stands for, she's bridging a gap, I think, that needed to be bridged in terms of she can like kind of like hoe up and do the club stuff in a fun way. But she's also, as you said, like super knows what she's doing with her lyrics and she can... And I feel like we, we needed someone of that scale yeah. who can do that, who's that successful and has that many eyes on and everybody's... Everyone's backing her, really, aren't they? Because I think because of that, because you, if you're, like, a purist hip-hop fan who just wants to see someone rap and spit, she can do that. Yeah. And if you're pop, you can be, like, Hot Girl Summer and, and also be happy and enjoy her. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'd been listening to so, so many great female um, artists... Say so like, you know, Princess Nokia, Jungle Pussy. Yeah. That whole wave of, like, female rap. I think Meg really brings it together. She's mm. really different to all of them. Like, don't get me wrong. But she's that, like, icon that we can all, you know, women can sing along to. And women yeah. that are music lovers, can I can really relate to her lyrics, you know, even if she is talking about getting head. Like, I... Yeah. It's, it's just you can shout it out and yeah. not feel away about it. It's... Yeah. Um, empowering without having kind of the rhetoric of trying to be empowering around it. It's just because it's her. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. There's something about her that probably makes her a bit more accessible than like a jungle pussy or... Yeah. She's wicked. Love Meg. Um, In terms of playlisting, Mm. did you find it quite difficult to curate that? Did you have a lot of people with opinions? (laughs) Like, did you have to go through a long clearance process? Or did you just trust your gut? <laughs> I, I trusted my gut. I think um, so. The playlists that I looked after were UMG focus playlists, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of bureaucracy that goes behind that. But that aside, um, so UMG would get priority tracks. So, say if Justin Bieber's coming out with a track, that gets priority. Aside from that, though, we do have a lot of software um, that we look at um, to see balancing up how the listening rate goes um, and, like, collection and basically who's staying engaged with that playlist track by track. Um, And you'd kind of want to program it in a way that it tells a story and you're not going to get an odd track that in the first five or ten songs Mm. that throws you off and wants you, makes you go somewhere else yeah very data driven it more is. data driven than I would have I know I, I, I know. generally just thought it was like yeah put them in <laughs> that's how this I do my good. playlist yeah. <laughs> I like this one um, obviously if I'm making a playlist at home I'm just going to make it based on um, what sounds good <laughs> to yeah. the next song but the data software ain't there it's not there to <laughs> tell me which way I should put it when you're at Universal and also now going to resident there's a very similar thing with electronic music as it is with hip-hop in terms of representation. It's really not... It's not there. I don't know if anyone really does. <laughs> really? Yeah. But the conversation's been going on for quite a long time, and I know that a lot of people are say, like, oh, isn't that conversation a bit done? I mean, obviously it's not done. It's not done until change happens. But did you notice and have you noticed that conversation kind of changing in popularity or people being proactive about trying to do something about it or I think um without getting too driven to the buzzwords because I think just being a female producer or being a female DJ has Mm. been in like the ecosystem for about two three years Mm. I don't think that's actually a negative thing I think um we need to understand the positive discrimination and like stepping into uh, where you can get your bag and commodify yourself yeah. in the least negative way. And, you know, where these platforms are giving rise to more reviews for female artists, these artists were always here. And I think that the like there is a balance being like made right now. Um, and I think female artists are still doing the same things that they always did. They're just being noticed for it. Mm. Um, There are also loads of amazing charities like Rebalance. I haven't heard about Rebalance. Rebalance. um, So literally do what they say on the tin. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think Rebalance things. Just think like Rebalance. Um, But that, you know, there are still loads of incentives. And actually, I definitely see in the forefront of it all right now, the people that 
are being given opportunities to be DJs, to be producers, a lot of them are women. And I don't mm. think that is because, oh, um, you know, this platform has now said that women can have a chance to put their music out. Yeah. I think people like Six Figure Guy. It's, it's literally the audience are thirsty for it. Like, mm. we want to hear different music. And um, a lot of the time that th these tracks, the visual representation, the whole image is completely different. The narrative that's told um, by these artists are um, filling a gap, they're mm. bridging a gap. And not that every woman is the same either. Um, so you get kind of, you know, Hoover Sound, that is Nana's and Sherelle's label. Um, they've just come out with their first new release. Those two have such an important place in um, the music industry now, where they um, really move the dial. Um, what kind of music is what kind of music under there? Um, so Hoover Sound, I think their first release uh, is pretty hardcore. I know Sherelle focuses on 160, mm -hmm. and Nana is all across the club spectrum. But I've heard Scratcher has a a remix on there so I'm interested I haven't actually heard it yet okay. I'm anticipating it to be a 160 release just because I think that I've heard snippets here mm -hmm. and there it's probably around that that being said uh, basically all of Six Figure Gang are doing bits as I said Yazis has um, mm. got her own releases out Lucy's got her own um, Seasons label out um, that has, um, you know, a mixture of artists. It's not just female-led. And I think that's the importance, that it's based on good music yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, genderless. Yeah. And actually, Lucy is such a great example of that because, like, her whole image was based around wearing a mask, like, until a few years ago, mm. months ago even. I think just a few days ago, she announced that she's going to be making an imprint without her mask and, like, just going to be L-C-Y, Lucy. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lucy, get it. <laughs> and then, who else? Yake. So, Club mm. Yake, Yake Yake Records, which is Tash L Susan print. We've got so many important pioneers. We've got Jams, Supernova mm. doing Future Bounce. Yeah. Just all, you know, <laughs> I can't even, there are so many um, artists and producers and DJs that are coming to mind right now that yeah. are female that I'm not even trying to be like, oh, they're female-led or, you know, their no, thing is just, around that. But also they'll naturally start moving things on because yeah. it's like they're naturally going to just resonate with a broad spectrum of people and a lot of those people will exactly. be female. And, exactly. Um, and I think like in in certain aspects it um, closes you off to your audience if you're saying that this is like a female produce like mm. that's not a genre of music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, female producer is not a genre of music. So. It's a difficult thing though because you want to call it out to make the yeah. to make the to just to kind of elevate it and make it bigger and it's the same with rappers like I think it's in that instance it's got the responsibility of like editorial teams to want to have like I mean it's not it's negative to even sound like you need to have a quota mm. but because you know we are trying to actively reshift and rebalance that um you're taking it from a male-centric environment you yeah. have to kind of be very you know act make an active choice yeah. of like you know Distinguishing. I 100% think you should have a quota because I think yeah. just because it forces it upon people and until we get to a place where it doesn't need to be forced and not in not every environment doesn't need to be enforced but you do look at like the festival lineups recently or certain other things. Brits. The Brits, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like no one thought about, like did no one sit there and look and, and it, it beggars belief but at the same time, you know, everyone's just working in their pace and their environments so they can be closed off and until... Unless you're actually hold account held accountable to something, mm -hmm. I think you can genuinely, by error, just be tunnel vision and completely miss something that from the outside is so obvious. Absolutely. It naturally happens because a lot of people in those higher positions, dare I say it, and I hate that I'm coming around to this point, but are um, white men mm -hmm. um, that have been in positions for years. So that's why it creates a stagnancy and there's only really... Women have to be portrayed either in this way, this way, or this way, or they're not going to be sold in. Whereas, you know, you've got boring-ass techno DJs that I've been doing it for 20 years, aren't really bringing anything else to the table. And we've got people that have, like, created this whole brand and competing against these people that have been there for ages, just stagnating the game. And, yeah, it's definitely down to people that are creating these media platforms that are opinion holders, tastemakers, mm -hmm. to be aware that... Okay, yeah, we need a rebalance, but this theme, this 
woman isn't here because, you know, she's a female producer. She's <laughs> yeah. there because her music is worthy. Yeah, completely agree. What's next for you outside of, I mean, obviously RA, which is massive and will be a big change for you. But yes. have you got other things that you're inspired by working on? Yes. Yeah, so um, I've got a few producers that I'm working with. And actually, hopefully this year is the year that I get to release music. Whoa. Finally. Finally. <laughs> um, I want to work alongside. So I've got quite a close knit um, community, yeah. a visual artist called Mungo that I grew up with. Hopefully we're going to be working You grew up in London? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. North. North's not that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just uh, going into kind of doing more radio stuff. Um, now I've got a bit more free time trying to uh, do a bit more freelancing, writing mm. and creating. Getting mm. back to creating. Getting back to making yeah. stuff. Yeah. My favourite thing. <laughs> it's the best. Honestly. It's yeah. just the best. Yeah. Um, and we've spoken about quite a few artists, but are there any final artists that you'd want to kind of give a shout out to or like tell people to? Okay. I mean, we've covered a lot, so no pressure. But... Shall I just like shortlist all of the artists that I've mentioned I think yeah so okay MIC guys get your pen and paper (laughs) (laughs) MIC MP Iman Ghost Notes uh, Yeke Records Lucy Yazus Hoover Sound Recordings Scratch DVA KG Iconica the list goes on I think like <laughs> I Meg the Stallion Meg example Shabo Shabo definitely Shabo I'm really Shabo. excited for Shabo yeah me too yeah she's just been signed to Black Butter so hey. she's going to be doing some yeah. big bits yeah 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 mm-hmm. big year for her I think thanks everyone for listening to the thank show you. this week thank you so much Shireen for joining thank you, us thank you, thank you. Um, if you enjoyed the show this week please give us a rate like or subscribe it helps to get us up in the ratings and we also have a playlist on Spotify which we'll be adding uh, some of Shireen's recommends to and you can also head over there just to discover some more female artists artists who happen to be female (laughs) 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 have a great week and we'll chat later bye bye Eyes on the prize, if no surprise, good women were destined to rise. Inspiring, celebrating, uplifting the new generation. Some hot girls, you know the vibe. All the hot girls come alive. All the hot girls, you know the vibe. All my hot girls come alive. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.